pray. Jesus, you said that it was good that you went away because you would send your spirit of truth. That's a reality. So God, we trust that. We trust your spirit of truth to teach us. We ask you to open the eyes of our hearts. We'd see, we'd hear, we'd know, be aware of your truth. God, I ask you to rip away our presuppositions, our all the things that we want to believe and hold on to for our security of content and cause us to open our hearts, our minds, our eyes to, to what it means to have a relationship with you, to what you called us to. We trust you, God, to do that through your word. Trust you to teach us for your name's sake. Amen. So, this week we have, uh, I think we'll finish, try to finish up, God willing, next week finish up Galatians. Last week we talked, some of you here, some weren't. Um, this isn't a repeat, it's just something that I believe is critical and essential. We talked about circumcision. This happened to be that there was about eight guys that were gone hunting, and it was all girls, you know. So, um, but again, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't make up the the institution. I didn't make up the rules. God did. You know, circumcision isn't um, isn't the ooh, don't talk about it. That's icky thing. God, God made up circumcision and, 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 and used circumcision to be the symbol of a covenant with him. And, I don't know, did any of you guys think about that last week, you ladies that were here? I mean, you know, that's a, isn't that a wild one, Emma? You know, I mean, why would he have done that? I mean, he could have done a lot of things, pierce your ear, you know, um, get a tattoo, I don't know what, you know, I mean, he could have done anything, but God chose circumcision. And and the word circumcision actually means just that, you know, the the cutting around. And that's what the word means. Um, just like it's done we it, it, as far as the physical act of circumcision, it's um you know, it, it's a, even Paul says the physical act of circumcision is now pretty meaningless. Uh, we do it in America, most of us, you know, are whether you are or you aren't really isn't isn't an issue and doesn't really matter. We culturally do it in America, and I think just like a lot of Christianity in America, we become hardened to it. You know, whoever asks, what does circumcision mean? I mean, do we realize that we are supposed to be people of the circumcision? Now, we're supposed to be circumcised people. Again, you women too, and that would be a lot. Obviously, that's not a physical thing because that'd be a little tough to do. Wouldn't happen, okay? So, we're not talking about... In God, originally, when he set up the institution of circumcision, he wasn't speaking either. Let me go first to 
the, the Jews, had, the, by the time Jesus came and Christianity began and Paul was speaking to him, the Jews at the time had, <clears throat> had lost sight of what circumcision is. They talked about circumcision being the law of Moses. And they talked about circumcision coming from Moses. Was the covenant of circumcision or the symbol of circumcision to represent and to solidify a covenant with God, was it given to Moses or was it given to Abraham? It was given to Abraham some 400 and some years prior to Moses and the law. So, the, the, but here's the Jewish people again and they had so contorted and come, come up with their idea of what it meant to be right with God that circumcision had become absolutely intricately lined up with being right with God because it was part of the law. Now, was, did God tell the people to be circumcised? Yes. As part of the law? No. Okay? It was a representation of a covenant given to Abraham 400 and some years prior to the law. Okay? Still is. Okay? We, do we live in the Old Covenant? No. We live in the New Covenant. Yes. What does that mean? How, are they, how do they differentiate? We talked about it a few times. We had a guy in here on Saturday morning, once a month breakfast, who there was a fairly good hoorah on that Saturday morning. His, he, 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 he proceeded to, to go into, um, fairly lengthy, um, pronunciation that the, that the Old Testament was no longer relevant. That now we serve the God of the New Testament and God has changed and He's changed the way He deals with people. Change the way he acts towards people. And in the Old Testament, it's irrelevant. That was an angry God, a God of wrath. And now the New Testament's a God of love. Um, that's a tragic, pathetic, deceptive lie from the pit of hell. Okay? The, 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 and he was told that in so many words. But it, 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 that is a lie. Okay? The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. Same God. Same God. Hasn't changed. He wasn't mean then and he's gotten nicer in his old age. Okay? This is the same God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The same compassion, the same grace, the same mercy, the same love, same God that desired a relationship with him then and desires a relationship with us now. And, and we don't come to God in a different way. The covenant is different we live under now. But we don't come to God in a different way. And as those people, as God commanded the sons of Moses to be circumcised, we are to be circumcised too. Now I know that, and again, let's be very clear, I am not talking about physical circumcision. But the act of physical circumcision, did that ever make anyone righteous before God? No, it did not. Were there plenty who were circumcised that went to hell, that were in rebellion to God? Absolutely. Pretty much a nation of people that were hard-hearted towards God. Okay? Did circumcision cause a soft heart? No. Did, did, did a child being circumcised on the eighth day guarantee that he was now saved? He was part of God's chosen people and now he was redeemed. No, it didn't. You know, I, I, I ask you to be, and again, like I said last week, 
there's a side of me that would rather create questions than give easy answers. Okay? I mean, yeah, we might have stopped by for some fast food on the way to the races yesterday, but I'm not. The, 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 when it comes to the things of God, fast food is fairly healthy. Okay? Um, I, I, would, I would rather leave you with something you chew on. Something in sense that is, that is tough. And, and, and circumcision is one of them. And, and we tend to look at it and go, well, that's not relative anymore. It doesn't really mean anything. Now we just do it for health reasons. And it's not something we have to participate in. Wait, the Bible says something different. You know, one, let me read a couple of things here. Um, and then we'll actually look at Galatians. And the reason that I talked about this last week and I continue to talk about it this week is that was the whole reason for the book of Galatians. Okay? The primary reason for the book of Galatians was to write to the church in Galatia, in the region of Galatia, to write to the church and because there was people who were Jews who had supposedly become Christians who were coming in and saying, you need to be circumcised. And they were circumcising these people who had come to a faith in Jesus Christ. And, and people were getting circumcised. And, and again, if you read the letter... Um, in fact, does anybody have an NIV? you have one, Billy? Eric? Do you have one, Billy? Um, here's what Paul thinks about him. Because I think that it's important. The NIV, I was reading it this week. And I used it in a study from but I was reading it this week. And it's a... Uh, would you read uh, Galatians 5? Um, 11. 11 and 12. And that means what it says. You know, go varsity. You know, I mean, and that's, I mean, that's, that's not kidding. He says, um, I mean, that's a radical statement. He said that in church on Sunday morning, you know. I mean, you know, probably didn't go over well with some either. As some things here have been said that might not go to time. But Jesus said, or, or Paul said that, that's a, inspired by the Holy Spirit, by God, to speak truth. That's a radical statement. He wasn't going, well, it's not right, it's not the best thing to do. He's going, this is so, such a wrong direction, this is so wrong, this is such a denial of the work of Jesus Christ that I wish they'd just whack it off. Emasculate themselves. Okay? This is in the Bible. This isn't David going off. That's what it says. Okay? Mine is, you know, that that's, what he said and exactly what he meant. So this, this, is a, this is a big problem that they're having and that's what the book of Galatians was written about to, to address this issue. And it wasn't just the physical, again, the physical act of, of circumcision. It was addressing that Christ plus anything equals denial of the work of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, this, this has been, that, that statement has been interpreted again to mean there's no obligation on our life. 
that it's all grace, it's just a free gift, and we just accept it. And that really, we're not obligated in any way because it's just a free gift and there's nothing I can do to earn it, nothing I can do to get it, nothing I have to do to maintain it or keep it. That's another life in the pit of hell. It is a free gift, but it will cost you your life. Period. Period. Okay? It will cost your life. It's not in addition to your life. It's not something you do to make your life more full, more rich, more happy, more successful, more secure, more long-term, more whatever. You do not gain eternal life and keep your life. You give your life up. Okay? It's not in addition to. Religion, universally almost, is in addition to. Okay? How I can do this, how I can add to my life, how I can put input to weigh that heavenly scale again. So when I get to heaven, God will weigh the balance in my favor because I've been more good than bad. Okay? This is not at all about weighing a scale. The grace of God, the act of circumcision, was given to Abraham. Why? To represent the grace of God. Okay? It was the, the act of circumcision initially was given to always keep people aware. And, and again, I, this, isn't, this isn't a sexual thing. This isn't an impure thing. This isn't an immoral thing. But consider it. Why did God choose that? To keep in your forefront. Let this be very clear. This was not about us showing each other our stuff. Oh yeah? I'll show you mine if you show you yours. No, that, that, doesn't, that isn't what God intended. And it wasn't about an external sign that could be seen. Otherwise, we would certainly model it because that's the way we are. Okay? We would wear tattoos. We would... Make the picture the earring was big, you know, that you could see that I was this chosen one of God. There was no ability, and, and this is relevant, because it's true of circumcision today. Can anyone see the removal of the body of flesh from our hearts, not done with hands, by the work of Jesus? Or do they see the fruit of that? They cannot see the removal of the body of flesh. Okay? Just like they couldn't then. I mean, I don't know any other thing God could have done, really, that would have been more hidden. Okay? Is the symbol of circumcision. And again, God did this. This isn't me going off of them. God did it, and He intended for us to consider this. I am absolutely certain God intended it to be in the forefront of every man's mind that he is supposed to be consecrated, set aside as a chosen one of God. And he was raised that way from a little kid and on the eighth day he was circumcised. And and, and this was something that was always there in his own personal intimacy. Not before people. Not showing off to people. No one else knew. Okay? It's not something you knew. This is, this is it. This is the, the body of flesh has been removed. And therefore, I live this way. In Genesis, and I'll, I'll just read it. You can go there, but I'll just read it in 17. You can go back and look at it if you want. It talks about the covenant of circumcision given to Abraham. Okay? Again, the same God, the same plan. God wasn't then going, let's see, I, I'm not sure I have this all figured out. 
let's see, for right now, let's just do this, and then we'll figure the rest out later. Do you think that was God's heart, or is God omniscient? Does God know all, past, present, and future? Um, this was not something that God didn't quite have figured out, so we'll start it this way and go from there. This is something that the, the covenant of circumcision is something that is still was relevant then, that he gave to Abraham when he chose his people, and is still extremely relevant to us. Okay? In Genesis 17, it says, And God further, God said further to Abraham. 17, verse 9. Okay? Now, as for you, remember, God chose Abraham. Kind of out of nowhere. There was no Jewish nation. There was no Israel. There was no God's chosen people doing this. Um, did people, was there always a remnant of people that believed in God, that followed God? God says that's true. There always has been. He's always had a remnant of his people. But God, God decided to start this thing of, I will, I will call these people a chosen people. Why? Because they were so sweet and so nice and this seemed to be the best people on earth. I think he chose Jews because they were the most stiff-necked, hard-hearted, pain-in-the-fanny people. And he says that, pardon me, that isn't me discriminating against Jews. You know, the Bible says that. Okay? Because they were stiff-necked people. Hard-hearted, stiff-necked people. God chose them to exemplify his grace, his mercy, his compassion. Because the God of the Old Testament is... Probably, if you read the Old Testament and spend time in the Old Testament, which we should be people of the Old Testament, if we, because we will not know the heart of our Father unless we know the Old Testament. Remember, Paul, all the people of the New Testament, all the Christians who became Christians, didn't have the New Testament. Their study of the Scripture was the Old Testament. They knew about the Messiah. They knew about Jesus. They knew about the love of God. They knew about God's compassion and His mercy and His grace through the Old Testament. Okay? They, they knew about the Messiah. They knew... And, and let me tell you what. These are people that study because sometimes I go back and read what Jesus quoted or what Paul quotes or something in the Old Testament and go, oh my. That's a... You'd have to be intensely studying and have a good dose of the spiritual illumination by the Holy Spirit. You know? Is it absolutely true what God was, was writing down in, in, in history forever for us all to read about the truth and character and nature of God? Yes. Absolutely. Not easy, not black and white. We, we want this, this list and this easy thing in this fast food. The Old Testament is full of the character and nature of God. And I challenge you, the Old Testament has more revelation of the compassion and grace and mercy of God, even in the new. Okay? It is full of God's compassion and grace and mercy. You know, we think, oh, it's not the God of the Old Testament anymore. Do we remember when God began the church? This lovey-dovey, everybody's getting along, everything's nice, we're all doing it. You know, this is a great thing. You know, this is a great church, it's growing, it's growing by leaps and bounds, everybody's coming. And who, what did he do to Ananias and Sapphira? This is God. Same God. New Testament, all loving God. Struck them dead when they came to the door. For allowing people to assume something about them which wasn't true. God was severe. God struck them dead for allowing people to assume something about them that wasn't true. Okay? Same God. Okay? 
Old Testament is big, is full again. You look at it and it comprises the predominance of this book that we hold on to. And it should be part of our heart. God called Abraham out and said, I'm going to set you apart. I'm going to call you to people. I am going to use you as a model of my grace, of my compassion, of my love towards, towards humankind and my desire to redeem humankind to, to myself. God said further to Abraham, Now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. And it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. And every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. A servant who is born in the house or who is bought with money from any foreigner who is not of your descendants. A servant who is born in your house or who is bought with money shall surely be circumcised. Thus shall my covenant be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. But an uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of the foreskin, that person shall be cut off from the people. He has broken my covenant. That's a strong word. I mean, this, this, that's strong words. How, how does it relate to us today? We so easily go, no, wait, I don't want to deal with all that. Let's just be nice to each other and get along and be good Christians. Well, what does it mean? We are to be a circumcised people, unless we know what God has called us to. Okay? How can we get there? How do we know? And the gospel which is preached today is a dummy, false, watered-down gospel. Okay? The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news is this. Colossians 2. Okay? You can go there again and I'll read it. Because we looked at it last week. But I would say it's a a short, concise. Throughout the New Testament, circumcision is talked about. This is a good, concise one. Colossians 2.6. As you, therefore... Listen to this, because it's very, very important. As you, therefore, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, and that doesn't mean you said a little prayer, okay? Have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Having been firmly rooted, now being built up in Him, and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit. That doesn't mean philosophy is wrong. Through the philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Okay? And this is... We are to be in Christ. We are to walk in the Spirit. Remember, in Galatians, we've talked about that. We are to walk by faith. We are to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. In Him, all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. Okay? We're in Christ... Okay. What does that mean to be in Christ? I'm sitting here and I don't know for sure where he is. How am I in Christ? Okay. In Christ, the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. In him, you have been made complete. Let's just let's simply say, in him, is that is the complete submission and surrender to. Like Paul says earlier in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? I, myself, 
my being, my soul, my flesh has been crucified. I've given it up. I've died to it with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Okay? In Christ means to be completely, totally and sur- surrendered to him. In him, you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 13, When you were dead in your, trans, in your transgressions and uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. The removal of the body of flesh. Was it, was it, again, was the physical act of circumcision commanded, told to Abraham? Was that what caused him righteousness before God? No. Or was it representative of something else? Very much representative. The law the same way. Now what does God say? Are we, we're lawless? We don't have law? We don't have to follow the law? We don't have to follow the commandments of God? That is not what he says. Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. Okay? Jesus says, but prior to this, you couldn't keep the law. These laws were given to show your need for a Messiah, to maintain social order because you're a bunch of degenerates. And you guys are in trouble as a nation and as a race of people. You're immoral and pure. You're living in the flesh and the results of that are ugly. But Jesus says, and did anyone ever gain right standing before God by keeping the law? No. They did not. Okay? We continually want to do that again. And circumcision is, is, is very symbolic of what we continually try to do. We come up with Christ and this. This is what you act like. This is what you say. This is what you don't say. These are the things you do. These are the things you don't do. The issue is that we are to be a circumcised people. What Jesus did is complete that work. The removal of the body of flesh. Okay? Is that an act of, is that something that we do? Or is that an act of God's grace? This is a very, very important point. When God called Abraham and called the people and gave them the covenant, made the covenant of circumcision with him, was that giving them a way to earn their salvation? No. Or was that an absolute, in front of their face, symbol of God's grace? God's calling these people. God, God's mercy and His compassion. God, grace, God's unmerited favor towards them. Okay? God called Abraham as a chosen race, as a chosen people, and said, I will bless your descendants, I will multiply you on the face of the earth, I will do, if you keep my covenant, if you keep my commandment. It wasn't that if he was circumcised. If you go on to read, he says, you need to be obedient. Because your good works will earn this? No. Because you need to remain surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, even then, as Abraham. 
to the lordship of God, to the absoluteness of God. That was the covenant that God made with them. If you remain this way, I will be your God. You will be my people. So God says to us now, I will be your God. I will be your Father. And you will be my people. What are the conditions of this covenant that we have with him? The circumcised heart. The removal of the body of flesh. I have been crucified with Christ. Okay. We're to be a circumcised people. Now, now, is this something again that I can do on the outside to show that I'm, I'm circumcised? I mean, how well will that go? You know? How well would it have gone then? And God purposely set it up. If someone wanted to walk around showing they were circumcised to show that they were right with God, wouldn't have gone well, right? Okay? Wouldn't have been pretty. Wouldn't have gone well. Okay? Same thing now. And I'm confident God did the same thing. This is an expression of God's faith. What internally, though, is supposed to transpire? Okay? Internally, the removal of the body of flesh is an, ex- is an expression of God's faith. Is this works I do? Is this what I really try to do? Is this something that I put... Is something I die to my flesh? Okay? The removal of the body of flesh is an expression of God's grace. That could not happen in the old covenant. That did not happen in the old covenant. Okay? Let's be clear about this. This isn't that this doesn't happen. The physical act happened in the old covenant. And then they struggled, continually recognizing their need for a Messiah. For the shed blood of the perfect lamb. For sacrifice. For something to die. For them to live. They continually lived in that state, always looking in faith to God. But God, you've called me to this. You've, you've, you've told me this is what your word is. I believe that you are God and I will be obedient to you because you are God. I will acknowledge you as, as God with my life, with my surrender and submission to you in my life. Okay? Their faith is what saves them, right? The grace of God through their act of faith is what saves them. Not the works, then. Not their keeping the covenant. Same thing with us now. What does that mean? Christ came to fulfill that. And fulfill that covenant of circumcision. What's he saying? In him, in Jesus Christ, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Okay? So, so why is Paul... So tough in Galatians on them. Keep this in mind while I read Galatians quickly, the, the fifth chapter. Because I, Paul, Paul speaks of it. Paul's saying, why, why are you going back to what was merely a symbol and a representation? The completeness of this is to take place in Jesus Christ. To think you're going to go back and, and do it, it, it's really no different. And, and, you know, I said it last week. I'll say it again, you know. One of our, one, one of, we have a lot of markers that we put down there too. One of them is, okay, um, you need to say the prayer. Okay? And we're really big at pushing people to say the prayer. Okay? Because we think, okay, it's the grace of God, but you need to say the prayer. Okay? And, and, and you, you know what? God doesn't care. I don't care. What words come out of your mouth? You know what he cares about? The heart. The circumcision of your heart. Okay? 
What, what, what was their act of trying to get people to go back and be circumcised? Okay? No, you have to do this outward thing here because th- this, is, this is essential for you to be there. The same thing with us. Do I think that the expression of a broken and contrite heart, of the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in your life, is that the natural result of a broken and submissive heart? Yes. Does that constitute anything in and of itself? No. I actually think it's a, one of the most tragic things we do, you know, primarily the little kids. Try to get them to say a prayer. You know what? That's as bad as, as infant baptism. Or, or a Jewish person saying, at the age of eight, eight days, we're going to circumcise you. Now you are one of the chosen, one of the children of God and right with God. Getting a kid to repeat, you think, getting a kid to repeat what God says or mom says is, is the issue of the child is the kid, is to bring this child, to raise this child up to be submissive in his heart, in his will, in his soul to his father. And to have that transferred to submission of the heart and the soul to his heavenly father. It isn't about saying a prayer to make sure that he goes to heaven if he dies. Okay? That's a pretty insane postulate and a dim view of God. God is, God is not an unjust, unloving God. Let's be very clear about something. God loves your child more than you do. God is merciful. God is compassionate. God is gracious. Okay? Our job is not to get our child to say a prayer. To get him circumcised. To get him any outward sign. And Paul was speaking about this. He goes, why do you go back to this, element, this physical act that was completed in the work of Jesus Christ? The physical act does not get it done. The words of your mouth do not get it done. The circumcision of your heart gets it done. Okay? What do we, what do we long for in our children? That they become circumcised of heart? Yes. The, the removal of the body of flesh. Okay? Like Jesus Christ. That that happens. That they surrender their heart, their will, their being to God. Not that they do an outward thing. Of, I'm going to make sure and let's make sure I write it in your Bible. Let's to, to make sure the, and I'm, I'm not saying that it's wrong for a child to pray or I'm not saying it's wrong to write it in your Bible or to record what you're doing but, but to, 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 to the kid to look back and go, oh yeah, I'm saved. I know that. How do I know that? Well, see, it says right here I said the prayer when I was seven years old. So I'm saved. I'm born again. That's a tragedy. I'm sorry, but that is a tragedy. For a child to rely on the fact that that is, a, is any foundational thing for salvation in his life is a tragedy. Okay? What, what, what will be... That, what was the result... Okay? Consider it for a moment. What was the result of, of a Jewish person? What was to be the right result of a Jewish boy's... Abraham's, Abraham's family... Every, everything after that, what was to be the result of their circumcision? Was it was to be that they have this marker that guaranteed their salvation? Or was it, was it all a continual reminder of a covenant that they had with God to be obedient? The covenant they had with God 
to, to be submissive to his commandments. Okay? What was the fruit? It wasn't the symbol that God wanted to be displayed. He said the fruit of it will be, are you in the flesh? Or are you in the spirit? And that's the same thing now. Is it your flesh displaying? Or is it the spirit displaying through you? Okay? And that's not just hypothetical. That's reality. Because the body of flesh is to be removed in our circumcision of our heart now. Okay? In the Jewish people, that represented itself by their obedience to the law. Was a Jewish person needing to obey the law? Absolutely. Needing to obey the feasts and the sacrifices and, oh my goodness, read Leviticus someday. And Deuteronomy. But the obligation on us is not less. We're not under the law now. It doesn't matter. We don't have to do anything. All we have to do is say the prayer and God's good with it. You better be good with it, God, because it's grace. So, Really? Now the reality of the removal of the body of flesh. So that the Spirit is what is not the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, we're going to read it here in a minute. Okay? What is it? Is, is, have you been circumcised? Has the body of flesh been removed? Now, is this an absolute one thing that happens? You do a certain event and all of a sudden you're, you know, we all want to look for that. We all want to take a pill. We all want to get a jolt. We all want to get a, Something that instantly happens and everything's all good, right? Win the lotto. You know, we want to win the lotto of God, okay? Everything comes and all of a sudden now I have this, everything, I'm good. Now I'm holy and I'm righteous and I'm sinless and I'm this and I'm that. No, no, no. This is a process of death. Daily death. Daily crucifixion. Daily dying to yourself, okay? Continue. Is this a matter that you struggle with habitual sin? No. If you struggle with habitual sin, you do not understand the work of the cross. Big statement. Sorry, but that's the truth. Okay? That is the truth of it. That doesn't mean you're condemned. Well, it does. But it doesn't mean you have to remain in that state. Jesus came to redeem us. Jesus came to to save us. That is what the gospel is. That is what the good news is. Save. Save from what? I like living in America. Save from what? Save from our flesh. Save from our sin. Saved. Born again. A new creature. All those things that he says that we're going to talk about. This habitual sin is a lie of the devil keeping you in guilt and shame. Okay? And saying, that's just okay. That's just the way it is. You're just a man. You're just in the flesh. Oh, well, that's the way it is. That's a lie. Okay? God came to circumcise us. Jesus came to circumcise us, to remove that body of flesh. So I am no longer in bondage to the flesh, but I'm obedient to the Spirit. I listen to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is what leads me. Right? I'm up for questions if, 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 you're, if you're looking. Because this is, is fundamental to the truth of the gospel as anything could be. Okay? You need to understand what Jesus did and what we're called for and what he came for. You need to understand why Paul was so adamant to make such strong statements. Okay? 
Why was he so adamant about this? Why was he so strong? Oh, he was this short little thought-off Jew that was just kind of angry. That's why. No, that's not why. That's not why. He was led by the Spirit of God. In his intensity, was great. That's because he knew the truth. He had been directly revealed the truth by Jesus Christ himself. And he was speaking in the authority and power of God. Okay? And he was very angry about a false gospel, which within 50 years of Jesus' death was already going awry. Okay? It is God plus. It is Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ plus. Jesus came to fulfill everything that the Old Covenant looked forward to. Let's be very clear about this. Jesus came to fulfill everything that the Old Covenant looked forward to. In the Old Covenant, everything was symbolism looking to the fulfilling work of the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. And when Jesus died, when Jesus sacrificially paid, atoned for our sins, we can now walk in the reality of that. In the supernatural reality of that. Why? Because we're good guys? No. Because of the grace of God. It's always been because of the grace of God. Never because we can weigh the scales in our favor. It has always been because of the grace of God. The grace of God now allows our hearts to be circumcised. Just like the grace of God allowed them, Abraham and his descendants, to be the chosen people. Not because they were so pretty, nice, or obedient, or submissive even. Were they called to be submissive? Absolutely. But it was the grace of God that called them, that allowed them to enter into this covenant of God of circumcision. Big deal? It was a big deal. What was it looking forward to? It was looking forward to this. The removal of the body of flesh that could be fulfilled now in our lives that we can live out in the new covenant. Same God? Yes. Approach Him from the same, in the same basis? Yes. Submission and surrender. I, I, there isn't a less calling in our life now. Now we have the supernatural ability to have the body of flesh removed. Because we're so good, because we're so smart, because we understand things so well. No. Because of the grace of God. We're born now, not born then. We're just lucky by the grace of God to be here and to be able to live under the new covenant. Galatians 5. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Okay? The yoke of slavery. What do you mean? The law. The law. And the inability to keep it proved to be a yoke of slavery to those people. A burden. A heavy burden on them. Okay? It doesn't mean we're not, we don't have an obligation. But we have the supernatural ability to fulfill that now. For it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject to the yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Now, that sounds like a mild statement. Let me just say, there is no more dire state in this universe than Christ being of no benefit to us. Okay? If Christ 
is not a benefit to us. We are eternally damned. Okay? So, that's a major. Behold, I say, Paul, I, Paul, say that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. So you have one of two choices. Either you will keep the whole law and be perfect in your own flesh, and Paul says, and you can't do it. But you are under obligation. If you think that by obedience to the letter of the law, you will gain righteousness before God, you best be about it. Because you are completely under obligation to keep the whole law. But if you're unable to keep the whole law, guess what? You're... How do I... How do I say screwed in a Sunday morning way? I don't, I don't know. You know, the, 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 damn, first. Okay? You're in desperate straits. Okay? You have been, you have been severed from Christ. That's strong words. You are, you who are seeking to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. But faith, working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. This is not from God. And a little leaven, a little leaven, a little add to Leaven's the whole lump of dough. I have confidence in you and the Lord that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I preach, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? They were saying Paul still preached circumcision. Paul was a Jew. Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. Would that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves, emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity of the flesh. Okay? Let's be very clear. This is, I don't know if you could take a general statement about our cultural American Christianity. I would say right here it stands and falls. Okay? Right here it stands and falls. For you were called to freedom. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. And that's what we do. We're not under obligation. I'm not under the law. I don't have to keep law. I can't be saved through law. I can't do anything. So I don't, I'm really kind of lawless. I don't have to do anything. I kind of do what I want and kind of do how I feel and kind of do what seems right to me and kind of, and, and, and find a, let me just find a denomination or a church or obligation that kind of fits that. You know, and, and, and finds the things that I kind of like and I'm okay with. And oh yeah, we want a little self denial in here because I got to keep the scale weight here. You know, but but let me just let, let me find a place that fits in where I can kind of do what I want to do and worship God the way I want to worship and kind of design Him and create Him about the way that I want Him to look. And, and we'll go on with this. this. We are absolutely under obligation. It says, "Do not turn it into an opportunity of the flesh, but through love serve one another." That doesn't mean, oh, see, all I have to do then is just show up at whatever this church is I decide to come and, and be nice. 
And maybe I come and make the coffee or maybe I do something or maybe I just say hi and shake hands and maybe I make everybody feel good and they like to see me and be happy and, and, and I just lift everybody up and be cheery and that's serving one another. That is not what it is saying. Okay? Our lives are to be dead to ourselves and living out our faith in Jesus Christ through agape love. If my life is not lived out in obligation towards you, towards loving you, not, not when I want to, not when it's convenient, not when I feel like it, it's not about I. I am to be dead. I am to be crucified. My life as a Christian will be lived out if I am a Christian in service. So will you. That is the reality. Not when it's convenient. Not Sundays. Not Wednesdays. 24-7. Okay? But through love, serve one another. For the whole law. Wait. Wait. Forget the law. We don't have to do it. No. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you divide, if you bite and devour one another, take care. At least you be consumed by one another. But I say, not me, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. We talked about that. What does it mean to be in the Spirit and in the flesh? Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh Listen to this. The flesh sets itself against the Spirit. This is not in addition to your life. You do not maintain the body of flesh, living my life for me, and add Christianity to it. Be clear. The flesh sets itself against the Spirit, and the Spirit... No, wait, I'm a good guy. I'm not against the good things, against the spiritual things, against the things of God, against the Christian thing. That's not what this says. The flesh sets itself this desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For there is, for they are in opposition to one another. In, in, interpret this correctly because this is interpreted wrongly. So that you may not do the things that you please. Wait a minute. That means I'm unable, that, that's like Romans 7, that means I can't really do the things I want to do. We can't do the thing. No, it says that you aren't, you are not guided by what I want to do. That is not to be what guides you. What is to be what guides you? Spirit of God. Surrender to your flesh. So that you may not live your life out doing the thing you please. That means that I should just be a masochist and go hide in a cave and crawl on my knees up to the top of a mountain somewhere and that will make me righteous before. That's not it. Let's, let's, let's continue, stick with me here a minute. Because this is not about self-masochism. This is not about self-abasement. Okay? This is about fulfillment. Okay? This is about completeness. This is about living life out in the way that God intended for Adam and Eve to live the life out in absolute fellowship with God in the garden. And this is about that. Us being complete in the way that God created us to have fellowship with Him. Okay? This is not about self-abasement. 
Dead to yourself? Yes. What is the result of that? Well, let, let, it's a, I just asked you to challenge yourself. It is so contrary to American thinking. American thinking said self-fulfillment is the goal. Is the ultimate goal. Having my dream. Manifest destiny. It, it, this is, that, that's what life's about. And that's what will make me happy. And we have believed that lie. That is a lie. Only happiness, only completeness, only fulfillment, the only way to achieve those things is a right relationship with God. Is a right relationship with God. Is being justified before God. Is being right with our Creator. Period. And that is not about self-fulfillment. That is not about completing my dreams. But be very sure to this. Completing your dreams and self-fulfillment will not bring what you think it will bring. The only thing that will bring... What is... What is just for a minute, because it's a very important point, because it goes so against us. You're saying, David, I have to give my life up? Um, yeah, I am. Man, that sucks. I'm going to a different church. No wonder you got such a small circle here. You know? I'm leaving. You know? I'm out of here. Because I want to go someplace where they tell me I can have my cake and eat it too. I mean, isn't that what this says? You know what it says? The fruit of the Spirit. This is not an act, a face, a pretense, a Halloween costume that we put on. Okay? The result of being led by the Spirit of God will be what? Versus the result of being led by the flesh will be what? We, let be very clear in this, this is not about imitation. This is not about acting in a certain way. This is about what emulates from your being. This is about what emulates from the reality of the covenant of grace that we have with God by a circumcised heart, by the completeness, by the circumcision of the flesh. What will emulate from that? That now I am no longer guided, dictated, controlled by my flesh. But I am controlled, guided, dictated, led by the Spirit of God. And what comes out of that? Verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. What comes out of that is love. And that's agape love. That's an action word of the way I respond towards other people. That is not the romantic, sensual word of how good I feel about life and how I love it. and You make me see, feel warm and fuzzy. That is about love. That is about, I will live, I will truly desire to live my life out for others. It's about joy. The result of submission, of dying to ourselves, of being circumcised in our heart, will be joy. True joy emulating from our being. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. This isn't, pardon me, of, no, that's not a good Sunday morning word either, but it's not being about a little person who kisses butt. Okay? This isn't about sucking up and being the nice guy. 
in this act. And let's be very, very clear to not define this as passivity. There is nothing to, there is nothing about this that is supposed to be passive. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. What is the fruit, what is the fruit of the flesh? And I hesitate in reading, and, and all week I did. I hesitated in, in talking about this because we, especially as Americans, but as American Christians and as churchgoers, um, get very self-righteous very easily and start looking at all these radical manifestations of the flesh going, oh, I'm not like that. I'm not like that. I'm not really that way. I'm not really. We were talking about it this morning. Well, you know, I'm not really one of those immoral people. I only look at porn once in a while. You know? I mean, this is a common thing. I'm not as bad as Joe. I, I, I judge myself by those around me. And we religiously do this terribly. Not by God's standard. But we look around and say, oh, we've kind of separated ourselves from the bad people. Those guys are bad. Remember we talked about this before? We, uh, yes, I'm in bondage, but I'm trying. Right? I'm trying. So, when you get to heaven, you're going to tell God, I was a trier. I really tried. That's not going to mean anything. We don't try. We die to ourselves. Okay? Continually, daily, momently necessary. We surrender our will to God's will on doing this. We tend to look at these and go, well, that doesn't look like me. I'm not a... Well, what do they say, you know? But for the flesh sets itself against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh in 17, for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. You will not... You are not to do what you feel like doing. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh, if you're led by the flesh, are evident, which are immorality, impurity. Well, let's say in the way we want to read them. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, all these evil things. Oh, I'm not a part of those. I, you know, come on, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm at least a tier above that, right? Okay, I'm, I'm at least a little higher than that. I'm not... Like those bad things. Those are really bad things. I, I, please reduce it. Immorality? Immorality. What did Jesus say? You're arrogant. You're self-righteous in your immorality, you Pharisees. You say that because you don't go to bed with Susie next door, you've not committed adultery. Jesus said, I tell you that if you thought sexually about any woman besides your wife, you've committed adultery. Immoral? Oh, I'm not an immoral people. Really? Who's going to raise their hand? Okay? Goes for women, too. Okay? No different. That is not... That is the result of the flesh. Impurity? We need to look at God's standard of purity. Not our religious. Not our church that we found in the corner that makes us feel good when we leave on Sunday. I would like you to feel good. Pardon me, but... I have to speak truth at least, or try. Okay? Sensuality. Okay? Being led. 
by how I feel. That's the result of the flesh. Idolatry. Of course, we're not idolaters. There's no Buddhas in our house. Really? That's, that's, I, I would ask you, it is nearly impossible in this culture to not participate in idolatry. You have to be radically set apart. Okay? That's, that's, uh, sorcery. Oh no, we don't believe in sorcery. That's witch. They're not really, really. I mean, we, you know, I mean, carving pumpkins and teaching our children that, that Casper the friendly ghost is just really a nice demon. Really? What, What do we believe in? This is a whole other thing that should come up. This is Halloween coming on. This is a, there is no more despicable. It's absolutely insanity to me that we as a Christian nation would participate in Halloween. I mean, this is denial of everything that this says is real. Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. And Satan's intent is not to give you candy. Okay? We teach our children. Oh no, Satan's really a nice guy. Goblins, bad things, they're really nice things. They just want to give you candy. What's our children expected to be, grow up thinking about Halloween? He gives you all this candy. Mom and Dad won't even let me have candy. Except on Halloween when Satan's in charge. Then I can have all the candy I want. Okay? I mean, how can you teach a kid anything else? How can he learn anything else? How can he see anything else? That's a lie from the pit of hell. Satan's intent, demonic intent, is to destroy you. To kill you eternally. Through candy? He's fine with that if he needs to. In this country? In this town? Through money? Through prosperity? Through wealth? His intent? To murder you. To kill you. To eternally put you in separation from God. This is not benign. This is not okay. And it's real. I, can't, I drive into town today and there's giant blow-ups of ghosts sitting there with big happy faces on them. I'm thinking, this is insanity, this country we live in. Ghosts. Oh, they're just friendly ghosts? Really? Demons are demons and demons are real. Demons want you to think they're nice and they will just bless you. God, now God, is he's a taskmaster and he takes all your fun away. Demons, they want you to be happy. Oh, good. This is a good thing to teach. And a good thing that we live in. We participate in. Okay? Enmities, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envyings, drunkenness, carousings, and things like these. Of which I forewarn you. Now, of course, we look at that and we go, yeah, those are the really bad ones. And we're, we're here. I mean, of course, we never look at the fact that it doesn't matter where society degenerates to. We just kind of stay here and go, yeah, we're safe. We're here. We're here. You know, it doesn't matter where we are. Because that's how we judge it. If we look and judge by man rather than the Word of God doing that, we're a little bit better. So we're okay. We're safe in those. We're not those things, are we? You know, and right now, let me hold you. This country is about here. So this standard we have compared to God's is you're going to be a freak. Encouraging words for you. You're going to be a freak in this culture if you stand for the truth of God. Okay? Because we, as a culture, have 
gone a long ways from the standard of God. And I warn you, and I have just forewarned you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? That is, that is not okay with sin. Okay? Let me end on this. We were speaking about this this morning. We have falsely, tragically, devastatingly misinterpreted the grace of God. Okay? The grace of God is not, has nothing to do with overlooking sin. Okay? Let's be very clear about that. All sin will be judged. The Bible is very clear about that. Okay? God does not overlook sin. To make any such statement is to deny what happened on the cross when Jesus was crucified. If sin, if God overlooked sin and he murdered his son, does that make sense? He paid the ultimate sacrifice. He does not overlook sin. And the grace of God is not God saying, I'm okay with your sin. I understand you're just a fleshly person. The grace of God is providing a way out. It's providing a, that you can be circumcised. The body of flesh. You can, you can be out from slavery to sin in the law. And you can be set free from that bondage that holds. That is the grace of God. Not because you earned it. Not because I earned it. Not because I deserved it. But because I was chosen by the grace of God. This isn't, oh, well, aren't we the smart ones here in this little body that we know about the truth of God and we can be set free from sin in doing this because we kind of deserve it, don't we? No. No. The grace of God. It's recognizing the grace. Nothing added to that. It is not the grace of God plus anything. But the free gift of God will come at the expense of your life. So you earn it? So you deserve it? No. Because that you acknowledge God for who He is. That is what worship is. It's absolutely true. Worship is the acknowledgement of God for who He is. To sing songs about our God is greater, our God is stronger. That's not arrogance. That's reality. If you don't believe that, you need to get a different view of God. Our culture would say, well, that's exclusive. Yes, it is. That's intolerant. Yes, it is. God is God. Not relevant to what I think about Him. God is God. God is Almighty God. And the, the, the amazing thing is we can be reconciled in a right relationship by His free gift, by His mercy, by His kindness, by His grace. We can enter into that relationship and we can be set free from this body of sin that we live in and live in bondage to and live in the yoke of slavery to. Okay? How? A death. Death. Acknowledging God for who He is, that He is Lord of my life. The amazing part about, I can call Him Daddy. I, I honestly, I, I tell you, my view of God is much smaller than it should be. Because I honestly have a hard time praying, Daddy. But that's what Abba Father means. Okay? You don't go to 
daddy first. You go to, on your face, God is God. The amazing thing is God allows us to have a loving father relationship with him. God desires, not just allows, but desires to have that loving father relationship with him. And he has done everything necessary for that to happen. Not on my work. Not on the basis of deservedness. And I can't do anything to earn that merit. Like Paul says, if you think you can earn it, you better go big. Okay? Because you can't. It's the grace of God. Circumcision of our hearts is an expression of God's grace towards us. That He allows us to be set free from that yoke of slavery. The Old Testament is rich with examples of that. Being set free from the yoke of slavery in Egypt is an example of us coming out of the world. Be very clear. Most of the people who came out of Egypt died in the wilderness. Most people who are called die in the wilderness. Many are called, but few are chosen. What was the difference? Those who acted in faith made it out of the wilderness. But it was few. It was few. It was a couple of families and all the children under 20 were not accountable. Same with us. Hard road. We, God has offered freely to all the people who came out of Egypt promised land. They could have marched right in. Think about circumcision. God put it there. This isn't a weird thing. That's not good. That's not nice. If you go sexual on it, you're perverse. Confess your sin to God. Okay? That's not what God intended. But consider it. Because God put it there for us to consider. God held it up as a huge symbol. I mean, you've got this whole nation of Israel who stands in the fact that as the children of God, they're circumcised. Let's pray. God, the people in Galatia, why the whole letter was written by Paul was because they were confused about what circumcision was. The Jews were confused about what circumcision was. They didn't understand it. And then they heard about Jesus and, and they were confused about what you'd called them to in circumcision. And they transposed the fact that it was a commandment by God to be circumcised. We just saw it. And if you aren't, then you're cut off from the people. Like we always do, we, we get locked into our narrow-mindedness and lose sight of what your purpose was, what your desire was, and what your purpose now is. It hasn't changed. You desire that we are your circumcised people, that we are people that have the removal of the body of flesh. No one can see that, but the fruit will be evident. That we will be a people set apart, distinct, different from everyone else. A different nation. And you do call us to that. And you always have. God, I stumble and bumble trying to illuminate such an incredible truth. I'm desperate need of your Holy Spirit. 
to speak to my brother and sister here. The truth. It causes all the question, am I circumcised? Am I a distinct nation set apart for you? Am I your chosen people? Am I a distinct race? And what does it mean to be that? Is it because I don't do and do these certain things on the outside? Or is it state of my heart? So God, I ask you to please cause us all the question for circumcised. Circumcision without hands. And through the work of the cross. God, please bless my brothers and sisters with a greater awareness of you, with a desire to know you, because to desire to know you is, is, is the road to happiness and peace and contentment and fulfillment. Because you are a God who longs to have a relationship with us. God, please help us to, to fight off Satan's lie and his ingrained deception that self-denial is drudgery and unhappiness and not a road we want to go down. Cause us to understand that acknowledging you as absolute Lord and Savior and that I am no longer Lord and Savior of my life is a road to peace and joy and happiness and contentment and fulfillment. beautiful fall. It's a beautiful fall day. I thank you for that. I thank you for showing your glory through the wildflowers, or in this case the trees and the turning of the flowers, turning of the leaves. I thank you for that. I thank you for the joy of being able to spend time in the mountains because of the pool of hunting. Continue, please, Lord, this week to bless my brothers and, and myself with time in your hills as we go back to camp and Spend time hanging out together. Thank you, Jesus, that this all works. That we can live in the new covenant where the reality, the fulfillment of all the old covenant happens.